Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you're listening to the Five Minute Talk Show with Phil Iazetta. We're bringing you today's best comedy and entertainment personalities. Now, your host, Phil Iazetta. Joining us on the Five Minute Talk Show hotline is a gentleman, honestly, I feel like I know. I've been a fan of his for years, followed his career because technically we're both Florida boys. I, I don't want to I don't want to sell people, you know, a, a false story, Wayne, but technically you're a Georgia <laughs> guy, but we've adopted you in the state of Florida. Wayne Brady joining us on the hotline. Welcome. Well, there's no technically to it. I mean, I was born in Georgia, but I never lived there. So from the time I was three months old, I was raised in Orlando. And and depending on how old you are, if I'm older than you, then I actually have more claim to Florida than than you do. So so I'm a Florida boy, too. I was raised in Orlando from the time I was three months old. So, I mean, of course, there was nowhere else to claim me because I'm from Orlando, raised in Tangelo Park, went to... Uh, West Orange High School, went to Dr. Phillips High School. Uh, yeah. So when you went back to Orlando, I think you just, you recently went back there within the last couple of years and you played the Phillips Center. What was no, that? No, I'm doing that uh, shortly. Oh, um, you are? I'm doing that next month. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing that next month. Okay, so what are the emotions then with this? How many people tried to hit you up for free tickets, first of all? Because we know people come out of the woodwork when, when they hear you're in <laughs> What is it like to well, go back? Well, I don't think it's like, because I've been gone from Orlando since uh, 93. So it's not like it's a homecoming in the sense of I've never been back. So I've done shows there and, and, and I've gone, gone back to visit my, uh, my improv alma mater, SAC Theater, um, which I helped found the SAC Theater Comedy Lab and, and, uh, and played with those guys and done a couple shows um, at a couple of venues around there. But I think it's one of those things that, that, uh, no matter when I go back, it's always a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that you have accomplished something. And I, and I think that all of us kind of have that thing of where if you started something in high school, you want to be remembered as the person that actually followed through on it. You know, we all have those fantasies of going to the reunions and not being embarrassed. So I think that when it comes to that kind of thing, I've, I've checked off a little box or two and it feels good to go home. It, it, it feels great to go, Hey, Hey folks, and have some of my friends from high school. We, we're going to be uh, doing our 30th reunion next month to have a lot of those guys come to get to the show and guys that I came up with at SAC, people that I worked with at Universal Studios and at Disney. It's a nice feeling. It's always good to be able to, to get to give home a high five, then then get back on the plane. Well, first of all, you're one of the most humble people I've ever spoken to because for you to say you've checked off a couple boxes, Wayne, come on, you have done everything there is to do in this business and done it well and done it with class. And I mean, that's why I'm so proud to say, hey, there, there's one person from Florida with all the stories we read coming out of that place. It's great to see a couple of us are trying to do better and, and try to do well by the state. Now, you talk Amen. <laughs> right? Hashtag Florida man. Oh, man, because all, all the stories that come out of there, I mean, some of them are great, some of them are fun, but at the same time, it's like, come on, it's not all bad. It's a great state. So that said, when you're checking off those 
bucket list things. And, you know, as I said, you've done it all. When you had the chance to work with Jerry Lewis, an icon like that, and, you know, we hear a lot of stories of how tough he is to work with, but I have a feeling he was very nice to you. And I have a feeling that might've been one of the biggest check marks of all those boxes. Oh yeah. You know, get, getting to work, God, I guess it was like uh, maybe 20 years ago that I got to work with Mr. Lewis um, when he asked me to, uh, it was one of the first big things I think that I was approached to do after whose line went on the air um, was to take over the telethon for, for a season or two, two and to fill in for him hosting wise. And my manager at the time, Ber- Bernie Brillstein, um, God bless his soul, who is another Hollywood legend. If you uh, study up on show, showbiz stuff, he's the one that introduced me to, uh, to Mr. Lewis. And that's one of those things of where you, where you go. I used to sit at home watching the old movies of uh, Dean and Lewis and watching, uh, you know, the, um, the first uh, Nutty Professor and, uh, and, and watching uh, videos of the nightclub act on PBS. And this guy who was kind of responsible for a branch of comedy to be able to have cats like that say, hey, I like you and I appreciate you. You, you, you continue the legacy. Um, that's such a humongous pat on the back. And, and I've gotten a few, few of those to, to get to meet and work with him, to meet Carol Burnett, um, to, uh, have, have her give, give me love. Tim Conway was a guest on my old variety show back in the day. Um, getting a chance to be on stage with him as he did Dorf, uh, checked off all this old school bucket list, um, comedy legend because I truly respect the people that have come before me. And so to be able to work with a lot of those guys comedically and a lot of older singers and a lot of older actors to be in their presence, that's, that's a big pat on the back. Well, Wayne, it's obvious that you pay reverence to these guys and pay homage to these guys, because first of all, the way that you work at the craft, you're not one of those guys who just goes out and just mishmashes something together. You really are a true triple threat. I mean, if, if we were starting a, a fantasy team of entertainers, I mean, you'd be in the first round. I mean, because you can do it. All. Oh, thanks, man. But it's true. I, uh, I, I love the fact though. And, and it's, I think it's being lost today somewhere in comedy because people want to go politics or the lowest common denominator. The very fact that you bring back impressions of guys like Louis Armstrong, you know, Stevie wonder, when you do guys like, you know, Sammy Davis Jr., those are people that this generation not only forgot, but I don't think they ever really knew who these guys were because we don't watch television the same way as we do today. Yeah, we definitely don't consume media, which, which you know, not to sound like a cranky old man shaking your fist <laughs> We're getting at there. The, We're getting there. the <laughs> world, but that's just the way that that media is now, and and I get it. But I do think that if you forget um, where where everything started, both musically and and comedically, but even even uh, even politically, if you forget the people that have come before and those lessons, then 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 you can't move forward. You can't build on it. And and I think the thing is, I was such a student as a kid. Um, of uh, because my mom didn't let me really go outside a lot, so I had my imagination and I watched a lot of PBS. 
And so that's where I became acquainted with a lot of the old legends of comedy who were already older legends by the time that I was a kid watching them. I mean, I, I go old school with it, like watching Sammy Davis Jr., like, like you said, who, who was probably one of the most amazing triple threats, but watching Ernie Kovacs and uh, Sid Caesar and um, to, uh, to then more, more modern times at that, that, at that point, Monty Python, you know, the goodies, a lot of Dave, Dave Allen to Robin Williams to Jonathan Winters to, to, to becoming a student of, of the improvisational and sketch, sketch form at an early age. I, I knew that you always have to have those guys in the back of your mind. So I hate when some young kid goes, goes, uh, oh no, that's before my time. Like, no, if you want to be good at something, like we don't have to have been born during World War II to have studied it in school, exactly. study it, just know your history. And then, then, then when you're trying to make, make someone laugh, then, then you can reach back and pay, pay homage instead of thinking that you just invented some, something new when, when that same joke was probably made about 40 years ago and, and probably made, made better. Exactly. I mean, when you look at comics, like, I mean, Robin Harris to me is one person who sticks out in my mind that I always tell young comics, look, if you're a fan of Bernie Mac, if you like what he did, listen to Robin Harris, you know, and listen to Moms mm. for that. Because Moms, I yep. mean, her act holds up today. It's it's amazing. But speaking of the past, the voice you're listening to, uh, that of Wayne Brady, check him out at WayneBradyWorld.com, at Wayne Brady on Twitter. He is going to be part of a great festival, KaboodelMar.com. We'll talk about that in a minute, but talk about the history and let's make a deal. And you and Drew Carey to me, I mean, you guys are just, I don't, angels to the comedy world because what he's been able to do with Price is Right and let's make a deal, you're bringing back that old school flavor to TV and there's a whole new generation of kids that love those shows now. They absolutely dig it. And, uh, and, and the cool thing about, about taking over uh, Let's Make a Deal is I've, is I remember when, when Monty, uh, God bless him, sat, sat me down at his house, he was pitching me the idea of me doing Let's Make a Deal. Because when they offered it to me at first, I really wasn't uh, interested. I'd passed on it twice. Because when I thought of a game show, I thought of probably the, how do I put it? the worst case version of a game show. Um, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, like, I feel like there, there are certain stereotypes and shorthands that we use for comedy and just in life. So if someone grabs a microphone and they go, you want a brand new car. That, that is what someone thinks of when, when they go, that's an old game show. That's corny. It's just like when someone makes fun of a news reporter and they put on their news voice Right. There are plenty of cool news reporters, but if you want to get a laugh, you immediately go for, hi, my name is Texas Reigns, and I'm a... And like, okay. So immediately when they said game show, I thought, okay, that's not going to happen. Um, but in talking to Monty and sitting down with, uh, at, at the time, Mike, Mike Richards, the EP, and uh, the guys from Fremantle, what we came up with was they, they said, we don't want you to do Monty's game show. We don't want you to be the guy with, with the microphone that says, here, here's a brand new car. We need whatever it is that you do 
combined with a game show and make it your own. And I said, well, then in order to do my job right, I need to make this like a daytime improv mini sketch show with games. And in order to do that, I need my partner, Jonathan Mangum. I need my buddy, Kat, Kat Gray, because I need to make the environment a, a place where anything can happen at any time. And I think that's become the hallmark of let's make a deal. Besides the fact that we make people feel great and we make them laugh at any time, anything can happen. Someone could start singing a song. I can bust out in a game. We can get someone from, from the audience and run outside the studio. That's evolved. And I'm so proud to be a part of something like that while still paying, paying the necessary due to Monty's beautifully crafted game. Because there's a reason that, that, that it's been around for 50 years in one incarnation or the next, because it's a good game. Well, when you love something, I mean, it comes through. And let me tell you, the way that you guys have that chemistry on stage, it's just fun. I mean, everyone wants to be on that show. Everyone wants to watch that show. I, don't, I couldn't see anyone else host that show except for you. Because the, the old version of the show, it was great. It was a classic. But this new spin, Wayne, I mean, it really, really makes everything move, makes everyone happy. And that's how I can't understand. When I heard that you were battling depression for a brief time, I couldn't even imagine that. And that's why I was so happy you spoke about it. Because when I see Wayne Brady, I think Disney, I think Mickey Mouse, I think good times. I didn't think it was possible for you not to be happy all the time. Well, I think that is the last thing that I ever want another person thinking about me is looking at me and thinking <laughs> Disney and Mickey Mouse because I'm a grown-ass man. I know, so I, I really, really don't want that. <laughs> you know, I understand stand that, but even what you said is also part of what I feel is, is a problem of human nature. Okay. Everyone is human. Everyone, no matter if you are the highest paid entertainer in the world to the to a politician, to a dock worker, to the guy working at McDonald's, everyone operates on emotion. So to have the onus put on your back that you could never be depressed or you can't be sad kind of in in the comedy world, and there are a lot of documentaries now, and one that I'm a part of it, it's almost like to, to a degree, uh, the, the analogy that I can draw is like, is to pornography, in the sense of pornography is not real. We all know that, and, you, and anyone that likes that, you do with that what you will. But it's not real. It is absolutely not reality. It is not. Comedy, when you're watching it on TV, that person is doing that thing in that framework. It's not real. It's designed to make you feel good. But the person doing it is a human. So it only goes to figure that they still have the same problems and foibles and chemical imbalances and the crappy days that, that you have. The only thing is they have chosen, or maybe the gift chose them, to be able to take some of that internalized pain and be able to make you laugh about it. Well, you I, I, I think it's, so it's that, that, that mindset, even when Robin Williams passed away, uh, 
that so many people. I cannot believe that he would kill himself because he had everything. He makes everybody laugh. That has nothing to do with it. No, but that one, that one though, to me, I mean, and I've had my share of friends that I've lost to this in this business. I mean, you, you talk about guys like Greg Giraldo, Mitch Hedberg. I mean, whether it's a suicide, accidental, intentional, Robin to me was different because at a very early age, I was blessed to work with him on a movie set. And I actually, Oh, that's great. Well, well, Wayne, I actually was lucky enough to play his son and in a movie called seize the day. Day. I don't know if you ever watched it. It was uh, Saul Bellow's book uh, before he did uh, goodwill hunting. If you, if you go, you'll see it. It was his first dramatic role that I can remember and meeting him on set he and and speaking to other comics about Robin after he passed, it was the same. Every person had the same thing to say. When you were around Robin, he sucked the energy, the air, everything out of the room, and he was it. I mean, there was no one else around. He was the focal point. Whatever room he was in, regardless of the accomplishments of the people, Robin had a way of disarming people and making everyone happy. So when he absolutely when he killed himself, the Wayne. It was something like, to me, Santa Claus died. You know, it was like where I found all my joy, it was gone. And I didn't know what to think for a long time after that. So when I heard you Mm. battled depression as well, you know, it makes people think, my God, if these guys are going through it, what do I have to do in my life to make sure people that I affect every day aren't having the same thoughts? What can I do to be a better person to everyone I come into contact with? Well, well, I think that's the... That's part of the great, um, the great good news that comes out of the horrible news of someone like Robin passing is it raised the awareness and lifted to a degree the cloud of stigma. And then people like myself started coming out. And now you've got different musicians and different athletes and people in the community talking about it which just goes to show you that it's obviously not a small problem that affects a tiny group of people. It's a bigger issue that affects a lot of people, but a lot of people don't want to talk about it because no one wants to be labeled as crazy. No one wants to be difficult. No one wants to be sick. No one wants to be damaged. But if the message is, instead of you saying, how can I be a better person? It's not about you being a better person, because I'm sure that you're a good person. In fact, if anything, I think would, you can tweak that message to say, how can I be of more service to the people in my life that may be going through something? And even being of service is just listening. If someone says, hey, man, man I'm going through it, and you just listening that some that sometimes is all that someone needs. It's not going to fix or cure them because you know the reality is, especially when it comes to chemical um, depression, it is a chemical imbalance. It's a, it's an actual disease. It's in you. You can develop the tools to fix it uh, to 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 balance and maintain life. But so many people don't want to develop the tools because we're so ashamed that we don't go to the proper care. So that's why I like the fact that people think that, that they, because people like me because I've made them laugh. Now, some, sometimes I can step out of that role and go, hey, look, 
this is what's going on in real life, which I think is one of the coolest things that I've been able to do um, in in my career. Let me tell you, you keep impressing all of us. And that's why I'm saying you are so loved, Wayne Brady. Anytime you have a negative thought, just think of all the people, all the people that you've made a positive change in their lives. I mean, you really are a, a service to the community. Kaboo, Del Mar. Oh, thanks, that's the reason. Well, you're welcome. That's why we have you here. And that's why we're talking about this festival. Because to me, live music and comedy, if you're having a bad day, a bad week, you go to something like Kaboo Del Mar. And it's just going to change your whole attitude. Go to kaboodelmar.com. Wayne Brady will be taking the stage Sunday night, 6.35 p.m. You're closing out the festival. And we're going to end it on a great note. Bob Saget right before you. How excited are you to be part of this festival? I mean, you talk about Black Eyed Peas, Duran Duran, Cheryl Crow, Bob Saget. I know. Comics. Who are you excited to see? Well, I'm excited to see see the, the Black Eyed Peas. You know, like you said, uh, this this is the perfect festival for someone like me because music and comedy, if I didn't have both of those at my disposal, then we wouldn't be talking right now because that's what my whole thing is based on. Like, like that's what I think is the best deliverer of comedy to me is, is, is music. And so to have a festival where I get to, um, to come and uh, make stuff up, and make songs up on the fly and make make folks happy and then be in the same company of people that I really respect. You know, Bob Bob Saget is an OG. He he has been in the game for so many years and has such a great, great uh duality and I love watching him and and uh then then to check out some of the music acts. So this is the first time in a few years that I've been part of a really fun big festival like this so i can't wait and the people that come to see me close close out my portion of it you know i think it's everything that if you like me or if you like anything that i've done it's there um we even start off the whole thing with a um with a freestyle rap that i get uh words from the the audience give me the hardest words that you can words that are germane to your job or 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 just to you and then we take those words and all of a sudden the band kicks in and we start off with a big big hip-hop freestyle then i go go into audience participation scenes where i bring people up on stage and we do props we do sound effects some of the who's line um you know great greatest hits that people enjoy then we do uh do an improvised q a session where the audience writes down any question that they want to, and I promise that I'll answer it with 100% honesty, but only if the person that wrote the question stands up and has a conversation with me uh, about the answer, which of course <laughs> makes the audience titter nervously because when you think you're anonymous, the crap you write down and the crap you say in in real life some sometimes leads to an awkward moment or two. And I do that because nothing is more improvisational than a conversation. So my answer could lead to just an answer. It could lead to a scene. It could lead to a song. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite moments. And then we close out doing an improvisational music set where the audience writes down questions and songs and uh, song titles that don't exist. I, I take their song titles and my music director, Kat, Kat, Kat Gray, picks a style of music or musical impression and plays it. And I sing, sing the songs and, and we make them up right on the spot using the audience's 
suggestions so that they can never say, oh, that was an improv and you and you wrote it. It, it came from them in the moment. So it's an improvised rock concert and, and you're going to love it. I'm telling you, I love I love everything you do because Wayne, the speed at which your mind works is unparalleled. I mean, you are so fast. And whose line it is it anyway? Is what well, was one of my favorite shows of all time when it was you and Drew and the old crew. To me, that was one of the smartest, funniest shows on television. I would love to see it come back like an all star version once again. Well, but, it's been on the air for five seasons. I, I understand. We, we're actually on the air on the CW, and it's great. In fact, I'm 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 having more fun this time around than the original time. Really? That, yeah, really. That, that original cast to me, I don't know. Maybe it's just because you know I'm getting to be a grumpy old man. But anyway, but when it's I was still the original cast. It's it is still Ryan. It's Colin. It's myself. Um, Greg Proops has popped on. Brad Sherwood pops on. Jeff Davis has popped on. The only change is Aisha Tyler as the host, and she is a genius. She she is a certified butt-kicking genius. Well, you mentioned mentioned my favorite, though, Wayne. Not to interrupt you, Greg Proops, to me, is one of the smartest men in the world. I mean, absolutely, hence his podcast. But I I love I love the guy. That's why I. That's what I was honestly alluding to i i greg's proofs to me oh yeah greg's is on the show okay i gotta i gotta start watching then where have i been <laughs> it's on the c it's on the cw and if you need to go and see all the back episodes go to itunes or go to netflix i'm gonna do that right now well right after i give people this waynebradyworld.com at wayne brady on twitter as i said kaboo del mar go to kaboo del mar.com six 35 p.m. He's going to be there for a full hour, people. So if you're a fan of Wayne Brady, you're going to love this. Last thing before we let you go, Chappelle show. Best, one of the best sketches I've seen on the show. Do people still come up to you and say, is Wayne Brady going to have to smack a bitch? Uh, choke. And yeah, choke some people right, do. Right. And it was cool because it, it's, it's in the top. Um, it's in the Museum of uh, TV History top 10 sketches of all time. Yeah, it's always great to be associated with something uh, uh, super cool. And Dave is, you know, and Dave is one of those guys who who is a uh, modern-day comedy touchstone. So that's another one of those checklists, you know, getting a chance to do do some great stuff like that. And, and when the people come out to the festival, they'll see uh, see that it's definitely a um, – it's uh, um, um, without going overboard and without going too, too – crazy it's definitely an adult show and uh and i think that they'll laugh laugh the butts off you know it's cool well let me tell you i love that you showed that edge because everybody knew it was there wayne brady thank you so much for the time thanks for having me brother thank you you've been listening to the five minute talk show like us on facebook follow us on twitter and keep listening at five minute talk Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.